This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash BCPod and using the promo code BCPod at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also sponsored by <laughs> Hubble. Go to HubbleContacts.com to get your first two weeks of lenses for free. Good work, Joey. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one, let's... <laughs> Be a Christian, I'll be I am bad. Okay. Well. Wow. Man, did I miss anything, Matt? (laughs) It felt like I've been sick. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything, and it just uh, was it a quiet week for you? It's been a quiet. Last time I talked to you, really in any real regard, would have been before the Clemson game last week. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you you didn't miss much. It's been very very quiet. The podcast Joey and I did last without you we, it was mostly silence. It was about yeah. Know, it was just pretty much empty space. Uh, That's what I figured. Yeah, wasn't much to it. Not much going on. Not planning much, not up to much, just kind of a lull yeah. in our, you know, career and life and all those things right now. Yeah. I, I mean, it it I feel like I am the heartbeat of this podcast. Yep. Like it's no doubt you know about what it. I mean. Like it it like I just that's that's what I bring to the table. Like you are smart. Joey's uh I'm the know, I'm the the brain of the podcast. You're the heart of the yeah. podcast and Joey's the colon of the podcast. I was gonna say gut, but gut, colon right. works. There you yeah, go. Yeah. The Joey's the gut of the podcast. So I had uh Unreal sickness, and it's funny. I tried to push through it, um, you know, because you always say you don't get sick or whatever, and you just can only be as sick as whatever as you let yourself be. And, and I'm a big proponent of that. I really am <laughs> becoming more and more aware of either you are strong minded or weak minded, and it, that's you just gotta realize what you are. So I was like, I'm not sick. I'm okay. And then <laughs> the diarrhea came. Yeah, you can't talk <laughs> like, yourself out of that one. The exact, the exact opposite side of my body uh did not want to listen and then the throw up came the the what do y'all i was wondering too what word do y'all use do y'all use, i usually say i vomited <laughs> I, 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 I vomit you know i like oop that's my grandma always said you're gonna oop i think that one's a funny one reva what are they say in iowa when you throw up puke puke get sick. Puke, you're puking yeah mm-hmm. I, that's a, I, I use vomiting or puking i think that's because what my dad said you guys made fun he, of he me all, for saying get sick on the bus that one time yeah, that's too vague. Get sick. You gotta yeah. say something that, that you know yeah. is a little more direct than that. By the way, yeah. Reva's uh, gonna talk here if, if we if we if for any reason, and, and she's always welcome to. But let me address the fact that Joey's not here. So you keep talking about being yeah. sick. Uh, Reva's talking about puke, and then we'll talk about what's going on with Joey. Keep yeah, on. Yeah. Anyway, so, continue the diarrhea I, talk, my friend. Yeah. So I was just diarrheing, uh, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Because here's the thing I realized with diarrhea too is. If you can diarrhea, why do you need a butthole? Like, I mean, it can be just liquid. I mean, it can be. You think you would liquid. prefer it to be liquid? I, well, I mean, if you didn't know any better, yeah, right. Like, if you, if you didn't, if you if you grew up without having mm. a butthole and all your waste came out just one hole out the front or whatever, I mean, you would never have known. It, it seems like that would be just so efficient and good. Like, I don't. What if my body just liquefied everything and shot yeah. it out? You got a blender I mean, in there, so whatever food processor. Literally. And then, of course, I always, no matter what, this has ne- every time I've been sick since probably <laughs> age seventeen, I have thought, 
why can't doctors create this so that I could lose weight this way? Like, why couldn't they make it like, do you, for did you example, lose weight? Yeah, I lost like six, seven, eight pounds. Like, I, I just haven't eaten hardly anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't. Even now, I barely can. Like, today I had a few crackers and a banana, and I just barely could even eat it. And I just don't. And I was like, man, I don't. I mean, I still feel a little weak. I don't feel totally myself, but I don't understand why doctors can't get it right. Right after you have like the flu or some kind of sick stomach virus or sickness, like, that feeling where you're still like for the next few mm-hmm. days you just can't eat that much. Yep. I've always wondered that. I was like, man, because like right now I'm go. I I literally when I go to I'm like I may I should eat something so I have some energy. I went to the refrigerator and imagine myself eating each thing I thought I could eat and then I just couldn't. Yep, right. Like I just couldn't. I just, see that's like, at least I, you I, listening directly that. to your body itself instead of your brain. You see that's the difference. Right. So I say when your body's telling you something is a clear message. You listen. It's correct. I mean it, it probably is correct on what you want, what you need, what you don't want. But when you just talk yourself, you know, you tried to use your brain to say, should I eat this? And you thought about it and your body told you no. Fair enough. So, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't deny that you're actually sick or anything, by the way, or could have done anything about it. And, and puking is just so, it just it's, gets you, man. It makes you, it just feels so, like, especially for whatever reason, I guess it may, maybe this is everybody, but when I puke, it's that thing where it starts kicking in and like it won't shut off. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, you puke and there's puke coming out, puke coming out, and then there's not as much and not as much, but you're still kind of just doing that uh, gagging thing mm-hmm. and it just won't stop and it just feels so awful. And I'm going to tell you, this is really, really funny. This is a true story. I'm just laying in bed, aching, nothing on TV, and I'm flipping through Netflix and I see the Chelsea Handler show and she's having like Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg on and uh, the guy from Big Bang Theory. I was like, I'll, I'll give that a shot I'll, I'll give it a watch because i was i was thinking you know w- what is her tv show or you know talk, talk show like and uh i'd seen a little bit before but i was like i'll give it another shot and so i'm sitting there watching it and it's fine and i'm kind of in and out or whatever not feeling good and it gets to uh and this is like i i throw up kind of towards the beginning and then i'm just laying there <laughs> and and I'm, <laughs> I'm just weak and this is totally true they had uh the Bush twins on there, George W. Bush, Bush's daughters, and they just mm-hmm. written a book, and they're talking. Man, they are just they are good at doing the talk show circuit. I mean, those Bushes and Clintons and political, oh, they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, like they're they the do. be- like I, I was so impressed by like how well spoken and the way they moved it. And uh, I think it's Jenna Bush, whichever one, the uh, said she moved it. The, they had written a book about being sisters and all this stuff, and uh, she moved the Chelsea Handler taking it far away from that she brought it so craft mm-hmm. like uh craftily so uh, I'll uh allow it smoothly a yeah. perfect transition back to promoting the book and she talked about the book and she said and yes that's why we wrote this book because not only we're sisters we're women and it's really time women start lifting each other up and i promise you i teared up and just started crying <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was so weak. I thought and you were I about was just to say, like, it made you so mad. No, no, no. I just started crying. I was like, I was like so emotional. I was like, yeah, that's what women should do. And I was just, I couldn't, and, I, and I was like, oh my gosh. And, I, and like, I, and it happened again. There was another lady on a little bit later, and she said something about women and being disrespected, and that we just were strong enough. And I was just, it was the most. Like I, the most time in my life, I've attached or, or woke uh, the feminine side of me is woken up and been aware, so and it was funny. so crazy. And and I also realized that must be like women must always feel like they just had the flu. 
And that's why, like, they, they are probably more emotional and all that stuff. Like, that's where, <laughs> there, that's there where I was. Did like, you women must always feel on that, that one. one. That's for sure. <laughs> did, 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 do you like how Toby said something pro-women and then slid in? So you know yeah. how women always are, just like <laughs> they've been sick, right? They must. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you had to bring it back must, to a general categorical negative thing about women in the end. No, so. it's not negative. It's not negative. I'm being serious. I think women must always be right there at that feeling where something, they can go past uh, they can they can go into full emotion. Like I, I feel like I'm always I, I can be very mm-hmm. emotional. But there's always this pr- some kind of side to me that holds yeah. me under this masculine side or whatever. And women can go full emotion and just like that's what I'm saying. Like that can really be a powerful state. What what they said was powerful and strong, but in in my normal male state, it I couldn't have, bounced, have gotten there. It wouldn't have bounced. Through, yeah, it wouldn't have got through but, the armor. But, but since you had just right. thrown up, you were receptive to I, the actual. Yeah, I was message. just like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> women are awesome, and I'm just so proud Maybe that the word they're. Doing vulnerable? This? Maybe vulnerable. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You're right. I'm not. I'm not implying weak. <laughs> I'm not implying <laughs> like uh, sickly. I'm just saying like women must are always able to hit t- tap into that way easier. Yeah. And it took me like this to really appreciate that because I can see my daughters and feel that way about women and want them. You know, I'm just so proud of them, wanting to do so good and so awesome and all that stuff but like that was a real time where two times in a row I literally just laying in bed crying I was like I can't believe I'm doing this I'm not trying to do this and it was just by myself but I was sobbing like I had to wipe tears out of my eyes because they were talking about the strength of women mm-hmm. that well, was pretty yeah, awesome you know so. I'm similar with that when I get sick I just I, if I'm sick and in the bathroom or, or I've thrown up or even if it's from a hangover or whatever it, you know that's what it is because I almost never get sick when I have a hangover I feel similar to that that's what it is yeah because when you said that, I said, that sounds familiar. I don't remember being sick any time. But if I have a hangover, I love my family so much. They mean so much to me. When I look, I just I just feel like I want to cry and give them a, a hug and just tell them I just really love them. That's the way I, I feel. Know. And I've always told you I love it when my family's sick. And they are women, but they are so sweet when they're sick. They're just, I love those yeah. those women in my house so much more when they're sick. And I think, I know. you know, My, maybe we're all, it's, you know, I guess it has to do with humility. I mean, I, maybe I don't think women, I don't have to think, I don't think of it in a categorical sense, but I bet it's true even of women and, or, you know, humans, when you're sick, you're weak, you're vulnerable. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're humble. Humility is, I guess, the word for it. So probably a good thing to, to experience. Yeah. Everybody in my house has gotten it though. We have not, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I guess it's going around and that's exactly what happened to Joey. He's not here today because he texted us right before shivers sick i don't know if he's the diarrhea and vomiting right now but he probably is knowing him he's probably still eating and lounging but uh because he he'll push through that but he is definitely sick too right but his his normal state is lounging eating and feeling really down on himself and vulnerable and weak that's his normal life he just also is throwing (laughs) up and has a fever so when he (laughs) No, when he gets the flu, he goes jogging. Yeah, he sits right. up. Like, yeah. He sits up right. He works out. Like his sickness, <laughs> his body's so bad that when he gets sick, it actually is the improvement. His it's stasis is basically flu. That's just him. Homeostasis is just a sickness. Uh, um, I tell you, if I was sick, and if I ever do get sick, I will spend even more time in bed. And if you're going to spend time in bed, you got to make it a Casper. And I'm telling you here regardless of any of that you're spending more time in your bed than any one place that you ever spend time there's no place that you spend more hours in a one specific seat location anything than you do in your bed so it's very important to have a good one i have a casper i've had it for a couple of years love it 
Love it to death. I think it's great. These things are designed by humans for humans is the way that they put it, which is very cool. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. You spend a 30-year life sleeping, like I was saying, so you should feel comfortable doing it. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places. Very high quality. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams and for a quality sleep surface with just the right amounts of sink and bounce. Um, they've got three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential Casper. It's not just a mattress company, and they offer a, a wide array of products too. Like they've got pillows and you know other things. They're a great company. They've got affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. And there's no hassle for returns if you're not completely satisfied. I think that's probably... The coolest part about that. So let me just pinpoint that. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So pay attention to that. There's nothing, no risk whatsoever, and 100 nights. This isn't a one-week. This isn't anything. This is 100 days. That's like almost three months you can sleep on this thing and then decide whether it's for you or not. And, of course, I think you're going to decide to keep it. But even if not... It's a very, very simple and easy return. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's just something I personally rec recommend to you guys. And let me tell you what we can do for you since you're a listener to this show. I want you to start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod at checkout. Okay, so... One more time, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, what else is going on? Now, I, you know what I was thinking was that you would come back here, and I'll let you talk about whatever you want to. You missed the episode. Joey missed the episode. But I was yep. thinking you'd come back here, and, and Joey would be here, and we would you would be on a war path and rage about all the stuff that we that we talked about on the episode last week and that happened over the weekend. <laughs> um, but then I texted you and Joey and said, let's just have a fun episode. Let's don't do anything like that. So I was hoping to come in here today and um, yeah, just laugh our asses off, which I'd still like to do, but I got had a... A hiccup that makes that more difficult for me. So I'll be honest about that. Just came from oh, the vet, no. and we will. Uh, this is Reggie's last weekend. Oh God! So we're we're making the schedule. I just I just got straight in from there to here, and we'll be making an appointment for him to uh, move on. Maybe Ugh. Sunday, Monday kind of right. territory. And y'all y'all had him longer than we had Maybell, right? Yeah, we've had I mean, him since '05. Yeah. Good Lord, 12 years, mm -hmm. man. I mean, that's 12 years of your life that a being has been there, contributed to your life. You've contributed to theirs. You've seen good times, bad times, been super happy, super, like all the things about it. it it's still, man, I've never been affected like this. I, I, it makes me really realize my like death privilege. I hadn't really been affected by death as much. Like I've said, my grandparents passed, um, but they were old and and in really bad health shape. Like I mean, it was real bad. Mm -hmm. They were not live have any really good quality of life necessarily. And so um, this, but Maybell dying. I mean, I I feel just terrible for you. I mean, I I I it, it's one of the worst feelings. I think we were talking about it. I don't know when it happened with Maybell and Joe was saying. I guess it's true. Like you have a dog, you are only gonna like you will have way more friends, way more people and stuff. Like you only have you know two parents. You only have 
uh, certain family members, certain amount of kids and stuff like that. But dogs, you really do only have a certain amount, and they're with you, and you will outlive them. Yeah. Like, you yeah, will no see them yeah. die almost. You know what I mean? Like, there's almost no chance. I mean, I guess there's a chance for sure, but there's, there's a good chance at least one of your pets you'll outlive no matter what. And so uh, it's just so bizarre when they're just gone. Like, it's still so quiet, and I keep thinking, like, when somebody comes to the door, I'm like, oh, I've got to get maybe. No, I don't. Like, it's just mm-hmm. nonstop. Like, I mean... It's crazy, so I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, I can't imagine for Bridget too. I mean, yeah, I bet yeah, she's it's not going to be real good. rough. Yeah, it's not going to be good. But you know, we'll get there. But say, and, and you're, are yeah. you still? I mean, and you're solid on not getting any more dogs. I mean, we we've been looking. I think we're going to <laughs> to mm-mm, shelter this mm-mm. weekend with the kids. No, I told Bridget, our, I said, look, you want another dog? I mean, it it's it's very it's a lot of work, and our house is small and all that stuff. I said, look, as soon as our youngest kid. Whenever we're done having kids, is old enough to take care of a dog. That's when we have another dog. I'm not getting another one. I mean, that's that. I'm not getting another dog. It's too hard I, to take care of. The the over under there, man, for sure. I would say you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put sure my I'd foot be, down. I'm going to be as clear as I can I, be. And then, yeah. you know, I hope nobody brings have a home a puppy without asking. You know, <laughs> Matt's going to be really clear, going to be very stern, going to look Bridget right in the eye. <laughs> I've already and done then it. Th- three days later, you will have a puppy. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance she comes home with a puppy. Who like, knows? It, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, but it's also very weird looking at other animals. Like, I, I look at all of them like they're shitty compared to Maybell. They're just no good. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, will I love that? It, you know, I had those same questions. Like when uh, I was going to have a kid, I was like, "Well, I love the second kid as much." I mean, like Ruby's our first, and she's just unbelievable. I mean, she's the most amazing thing in the world. This Ike kid, am I going to love him the same <laughs> yeah. way? Is it going to, you know what I mean? Like I had those questions, and, and I did obviously, and in different ways too. But uh, for sure, that it, it's just devastating. I, I, I don't know if I want another animal just because it will die. Like I just like golly, I, I, I mean, I. It's just devastating. It, it makes you across the board think just people that lose their ch- kids, people that lose other, you know, animals, family members, all that stuff. It just how awful it is. Do you want if we if we want to instead of trying to ramp up and be full of humor, I'll deliver another uh, depressing. God uh, in heaven! It's not, no, not 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 bad news, but a point of view. Now, a long time ago, not a long time ago, a few months ago, I did a podcast on suicide with Levi the poet and Matt McDonald. It was a think what we did here when we talked to them about that hey matt you think reggie will be in heaven <laughs> yeah right thank you <laughs> <laughs> joey making it i was trying to think of the worst joke you can make about your dog dying <laughs> he would yeah, that was his department i don't think you can do it um but the uh but that did that and i was trying to deliver a thought i'd been having for a while which is we may irrationally look at death and suicide because we're so biased as people that are alive. Like our, everybody in our group is people that live, that survive, yeah. that want to be here tomorrow. And so anybody that doesn't or anybody that dies or wants to die, we find that offensive deep down because, I mean, that's not our team. Our team is life. Right. But, but it's not, but it may be just a strong bias that makes us think that. And then Sam Harris just had somebody on his podcast yesterday or, you know, two or three days ago that that is, I mean, it's a real position that people have. I think they call it antinatalism, and it's not. It means bringing life into the world is not logically good or bad. And that, and wow. he was saying a lot of the stuff that I was thinking, but I'm obviously well thought out and stuff like philosophy instead of just that impulse that I had. But it, it, it he basically says the same thing that your life is probably, and all life, if you consider all life and suffering that's occurring, it outweighs the amounts of good. 
like in total. Yeah. And so therefore it's worse to be, to bring life into the world. Well, like you think about bringing life into the world and it's like, it's a happy, it's a kid. They get to do this. They get to have, and you think of a few moments of pleasure and good times, but then you also should be thinking about the deterioration of those kids in a nursing home and the suffering and the pain they'll face at death and the loss and right. all the things that they may go through. And they were, he, you know, he arrives strongly at the conclusion that it's unfortunate that anybody is ever born. <laughs> and, and he's very, very calm and calculated. You know, it's not exactly nihilism either, but that, and this is a really interesting podcast to listen to. So I'd recommend uh, flipping through that. Like your intuitions are so against that. But it may be something worth understanding and considering. He's, he, he doesn't think everybody would be better, better off dead. He says, once you're alive, you have some interest in continuing to live. Right. But that's about it. Yeah. While I was sick, I was watching a Bill Burr stand-up, and he was saying the exact same thing. He said, we don't need another guy that, uh, you know— doesn't pull far enough out at the yellow light so that you make it too. Or, you know what I mean? Like when mm -hmm. you're making a left turn, he's like, we don't need another one of those guys. He's like, just if we all stop making people, it'll thin out the herd. Everything will get better. And it, like he said, you'll ha you might actually have a chance. Like if you really thinned it out really well, you might get Matt Carter might could be in the NFL. Or, or, you know what I mean? Good, yeah. like, there might not be enough people, and you might actually get to do something with your life. Like, yeah. at least, I mean, at least they might let you do something because there's not enough people. Right now, there's so many people that all we do is sit on this computer and talk to each other with hate language and stuff like that. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I mean, I kind of agree in a way, except for you can't tell somebody, like, if somebody no, told can't. you, all right, Matt, you had two, that's it. You would never agree No, to I see, it. but I, mean, I, I hold pretty much the opposite. But everybody thinks the same thing as you. Everybody yeah. thinks, no, but my kid. Right. But my kid. But that's, that's what I'm saying. That might be an irrational bias that we all have. Is, oh, it is. is the point, for sure. Basically. But I, I, I share, I'm pretty much the opposite of that. I feel bad about not bringing more people into the world because my experience with living, from my point of view, is it's fucking awesome, man. Like, I, I reject, <laughs> I almost reject, like, I love exploring that point of view and I, I find it very logical and he's here's a part where he's really right is the amount of possible happiness is very limited would you agree with that part like yes. there's only how, how many did do i lose toby there hang on one second I'll get i'm here up. okay greg is joining the, um oh that's greg joining okay so hang on one second greg we got it we'll be right there if you're if you've joined us there well uh can you hear us greg no he didn't join I don't see him. Okay, well, he'll be back in a second. If not, or we'll we'll get him in here. But it's about that time. So, but you'd agree that the potential happiness to experience, like you could list a few ways where things that could be good or how you could be happy or fulfilled, that's got a pretty much a limit to it. Suffering, on the other hand, has no limit of how bad it can be. It could always be worse. It's very easy to be yeah. bad. It's very easy to be worse, and you can always think of worse all the way to hell or degrees of hell. I mean, there is infinite capacity to suffering and limited ability to possibly be happy. So bringing somebody into the yeah. world exposes them at least to that liability, even if you think, I'll have a good life. I mean, you don't know. You don't know how the country's going to go or that person or what they may experience. So on whole, on the whole, it's a dangerous thing to bring somebody. I mean, you know, you're, you're kind of like having a lot of swagger and confidence bringing somebody into the world that it will be good for, for them yeah. or anybody else. Well, I mean, just the idea, I feel like I walk around the world thinking, uh, always in maybe tomorrow will be better, but I could definitely say yeah. tomorrow will certainly be worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, no matter what, tomorrow will be worse. My body will be a little bit worse, or I have a headache, or I lose some money, or I didn't invest in Bitcoin like I should yeah. have, or something like that. And so tomorrow will certainly be worse. There's a chance it could be better. Yeah. 
There's, you know what I mean? But we, we talk, you usually talk in certainties with bad stuff. Yeah. You, don't, you, you talk hopefully about good stuff. Which yeah, is, which that's is, right. But I mean, we like the hope. I mean, that's good. So I, I still reject oh, yeah. that view. And I feel like this. I'm a gambling man. I'm like, fuck it. I'm here. I don't care if we all have this bias. We have it. Let's go for it. Like, let's just go for it as humans. Let's make more. Let's make this thing better. Let's get this thing. Let's fix the suffering. Let's go. Let's go do this. It's human project time. Maybe it's better to not be here, but I'm here. Let's go for it. So I, that's where I, I find optimism in in rejecting that. Although I think it's worth thinking through. But you know, especially hey, Matt, 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 you 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 think Reggie don't have his balls back in heaven? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where he would be. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to fill the void. Is left by the the, the leaning guy. R- Reva, do you have a Joey impression? No. <laughs> Reva, just do your best impression. Just do a best you, impression well, of Joey. Just hold this, your let me nose ask this question first. Say something ever, about a child yeah. dying. Have you ever done an impression? Like, what's what's your best impression, or do you have one? I don't practice them. I don't. I don't think I have one just on hand, ready to go. You never done like any impressions? I'm sure I have, but just off the cuff. Oh, I see. Not practice. Like just yeah. <laughs> I see. Like a good Richard Nixon or something like that. Um, so we're waiting on Greg Boyd. Um, I don't know if he tried to join, but I don't see him here. So Well why well, while we're, we're waiting, there's something I don't yeah, want people to wait on, and that is getting Hubble contacts. Hubble contacts it, it just makes it so easy for you. I, I mean, listen, I have personally spent so much money on contacts and then just get them and they rip really soon or I don't have enough. Like this, this last tour we went on with Emery, uh, I was mad at Devin. I was like, Devin, you got to have Hubble contacts because he was, uh, left his bath kit with his, uh, glasses at Matt's dad's house while we were there for, for a night and then had only his pair of contacts left for the entire, uh, tour. And sure enough, one of them ripped. He he lost one of them, uh, and he needed to get them. So then we were scrambling, trying to find him contacts, how he could see, because he has pretty bad vision like me. And so he didn't have contacts at all. But with Hubble, you have a fresh pair of contacts every single day. Aren't you tired of overpaying for uncomfortable contact lenses? Do you ever overwear your contacts and lenses to save money? Yes, I have. It's way too much. I got an eye infection one time for wearing my contacts too long. So, what if I tell you right now that you can get a fresh pair of lenses every single day for less than uh, for less sixty contacts for thirty dollars? Do the math. That's one dollar a day, folks. This is half the price of other brands. Go to hubblecontacts.com and get your first two weeks for free. Quality lenses for half the price of the other guys. Contacts are expensive because four companies control ninety seven percent of the market until now. Hubble sells directly to you, so they can offer contacts for half. The price. So go to HubbleContacts.com to get your first two weeks of lenses for free. That's 15 pairs of lenses for free. You really can't beat that deal. Hubble is offering our listeners two weeks of free contacts. So go to HubbleContacts.com to get 2020 vision for half the price. That's H-U-B-B-L-E Contacts.com. Excellent. Now, uh, Toby, uh, I think we got Greg here, so we'll get him in. But I did, but Reva is completely lying about those impressions. She does impressions in the, here in the office all the time. <laughs> She, she does, does? T- yeah. I've, the three she's always killing me with are she does an impression of uh, Silent Bob, uh, yeah, Mr. Bean, <laughs> and Charlie Chaplin. But the audio, oh, man, only I the audio. She doesn't slay. do the physical parts. 
<laughs> I bet yeah, those yeah, sleighs. Yeah, it's great. Man. Uh, Greg Boyd, are you here? Can you hear us and see us? I can hear you and see you, yes. Great. Okay, well, I don't. we don't see you. Can you unmute your video? You don't have to if it doesn't work. You don't have it, but uh, maybe it's just a matter okay. of clicking that unmute button there. And there we go. All right. Yeah. Groovy. Groovy. Yeah, I, I got an updated version of Skype, and it's completely different, and I have no clue what I'm doing. So well, you it made it. sure luck that I got on here. Well, Skype keeps Hallelujah. updating. Um, they keep updating all the time. So there's sometimes when I get really frustrated with Skype, and then it gets better, and then sometimes they change something to make it better, and I'm lost. But, you know, we've been sticking with it for now. So we're glad you're you here. All improvements would be for the better, but it's not always the case. Yeah. Well, it's probably that uh, – yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, we're glad you're here. We had uh, Joey, our other co-host, is extremely sick today and could not make oh, it, so he I, is, is going to be re, is going to be regretful about that because he's a big, big fan of yours. Um, yeah, and we 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 are too. But he was particularly excited about this one and pretty devastated that he's going to miss it. Well, our prayers go out to him. So, Greg, you've got a lot of work that is interesting, and I know that it's an older book, the, the uh, Myth of a Christian Nation. Joey had been talking us up on that for a long time, and we've discussed it just a bunch of times. I don't necessarily want to spend all the time on on anything in particular, but the op- open theism is just another thing that you're well-versed in and have thought a lot about and done stuff with. So let's jump in, in there and talk about open theism. We had somebody on Great. once about that, but it's certainly worth revisiting and starting just with the foundation. Uh, what do you tell people when they ask you what open theism is? Uh, it's the view that uh, possibilities are real. Uh, it comes down to that. Possibilities are real. God created this world. Uh, with free agents, and uh, uh, that means our future is partly composed of possibilities Mm -hmm. uh, that we help create. So we don't wait to discover what the future holds. Uh, We help create what the future is going to hold. And and our choices actually make a difference. Um, Prayer really makes a difference. Things hang in the balance on on what we decide to do. Uh, So it's not like this. we're going through a life as a pro forma activity, you know, just kind of like, like all the facts are already there. Uh, mm-hmm. We are made in the image of God. We help create the facts. And um, um, yeah, so we, we partner with God to change the world, to bring about the kingdom. Uh, our lives really have that kind of significance. And so that pushes up hard against what point of view specifically do you run into the most opposition? Well, the, the more traditional view is that uh, God, at, all the facts about what will happen in world history are uh, exist prior to the creation of the world. And so God knows all the facts mm-hmm. uh, prior to the creation of the world. And so uh, every decision I'm going to make for the rest of my life uh, is already known to God. Uh, the fact is already there. Um, you know, if I'm going to buy a blue Toyota in 2020, uh, well, that fact has eternally existed mm-hmm. uh, and God's known it existed. Uh, and the trouble with that is, is that, that it's, it's, I mean, aside from biblical material, um, the question is, I'm not eternal, so how can I be the one that made that eternal fact? How can, how, how can, how can the choice be, the, the outcome be eternal when, when I, I, I'm the decision maker and I'm not eternal? Um, if, I, if it's a foregone conclusion that from all eternity that I'll buy a blue Toyota in 2020, then how, how do I actually have any choice in the matter? Mm-hmm. Well- and so it seems to lead to fatalism fatalism or, you know, even just from a secular view of just hard determinism, which some people certainly hold, just that there's only a certain amount of things that are, that, are, that you know, given all the atoms and all the, everything in creation, everything is just a consequence of that interaction that may or may not be calculable. 
would be right like, right now no, a lot of uh folks who hold that god foreknows the future as a, a exhaustively definite realm of facts uh, they would say that uh, they would deny that this leads to causal determinism uh mm-hmm. where it, right. it, everything's caused from the start um uh, so the fact that God knows what I'm gonna, whether I'll buy a blue Toyota in 2020, uh, that doesn't mean that it's predetermined that I'll buy a, a Toyota in 2020. And so Calvinists would say that God predetermined it, whereas Arminians would say, no, God just foreknows it. Uh, an open theist would say, well, look, at if it's, if it's an eternal fact, before I'm ever born, it was always the case that I buy a blue Toyota in 2020, then uh, it doesn't matter what made it a fact, uh, whether you mm-hmm. know, God did it or not. A fact's a fact, and I can't choose otherwise. Yeah. And so Calvinists have an explanation for why it's a fact, whereas Arminians don't. The Arminians just say, well, it right. is a fact, and uh, God didn't choose it, and you didn't choose it. It just was there. Um, but if it's, all, if, if, if it's always been there that I'll choose a blue Toyota in 2020, then I can't, I can't refrain from buying a blue Toyota, so how am I, how am I free? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get now, down. Can, with, can God go stop you from buying that blue Toyota? Though, does that limit His power? Then, like He He can't stop you either from buying that blue Toyota. Well, yeah, if it's a foregone conclusion, uh, if it's been eternally certain that I buy that blue Toyota, uh, then uh, yeah, God can't alter the future if it's a fact's a fact. But that'd be a semantic so, fact there because God could would only have known it would have still been His fact to have for it, it would just be him having foreknowledge of his own self. So he, other, if you say that he could have changed that fact, it would mean that he couldn't have foreknown what he would later do, which would limit his knowledge. So either way, you'd be in a loop there, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it, it does have this, this kind of uh, implication that if the facts uh, of, of what's going to happen in history were foreknown to God from all eternity, then um, uh, God can't do anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, 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 so he would have to like he foreknows how he's gonna how he will respond in light of this fact. But uh, and so I, I sometimes call this Cassandra foreknowledge. Cassandra was this mythological uh, uh, figure in ancient Greece who was cursed with the ability to foreknow the future, but not be able to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of a position I think God is in. If all the facts are there, well, then he, for all eternity he's had to look at that Holocaust. Knowing that's coming, and uh, have no ability depressing. to fix it. Yeah, or he, or he called. He just wrote it into history. Like I want it to happen, and I'm going to cause it, or it's going to happen, and I can't stop it. Well, so so the the first position you just articulated articulated mm-hmm. was Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one was Arminianism, mm-hmm. and o- o- open theism would say uh, it didn't have to go down that way. Uh, people had choices; it could have gone differently, and. Uh, um, uh, it was unfortunate that that happened. Now, God is at work in all things to bring good out of evil, uh, but God nevertheless wishes that evil hadn't happened. Think, and so it is, I would argue, for all evil. Don't you think most people that describe themselves as Arminians, though, would say, no, no, people do have choices and we could have stopped it, but God just would have known which was going to happen, though? They, I mean, Arminians yeah. are real big on choice. Like, they they sure. feel strong. That's their main impulse that drives them is their intuition that they have agency. Yeah, yeah, but it, it still leads to a, a logical loop in that. Um, yeah, let's say we have choices, and they will strongly emphasize that. But um, you, you still have the the quote unquote paradox, if not contradiction, mm-hmm. of having the outcomes of our choices eternally precede the choices themselves, mm-hmm. and that is what is. I, you can't help but, at least I could never help, 
uh, but feel like I'm in a, uh, like I'm just going through the motions. All the facts have been settled. And so it, it feels like a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outcome of everything is, is already there. Uh, and so it, it's like, uh, the, the, the movies, the, the movie that we're in has been here all eternity. Uh, and it's just that I'm watching it for the first time. Right. But it does feel like I'm watching the movie rather than participating in the actual uh, event itself. Yeah. Have you always been open theist or is this a, oh, a no, transition no, no. for you? Well, no, I, I was, uh, I, I, I've gone through almost every flavor of theology <laughs> on the book. Um, no, I, I was, uh, uh, initially in the Pentecostal church, I was saved and now I, I guess I would just be an uninformed Arminian. But once I started seriously thinking about things in seminary, I became a Calvinist. Uh, and I was a Calvinist mm-hmm. for, for a couple of years. Um, and, and I've always understood on an exegetical basis why people become Calvinists, because I became that for, you know, just for, for exegetical reasons. What I've never understood is how, 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 how anyone likes it. Because um, even when I was a Calvinist, <laughs> I didn't like it. You know? And I could never get into this, uh, like, you know, I'd hang out with Calvinists and they would be like, they talk about, oh, the joy that God chose me. It was none of my credit. It's all by God's grace and the, the joy of being his elect. And, I, and, and the glory of God for doing this. And I never could get into that because I always felt like you know, I had a picture of like, I, I'm sitting down at this, this supper table and there's a banquet spread out for me, you know, and all the elect are on the supper table and we're feasting our, you know, brains out. Um, and Jesus is giving us all his food. But we're in a room with glass walls and just outside those glass walls, you see. And, and, and. So you say, Jesus, you know, can we share some food with these folks? And he goes, oh, no, no. He asks, well, is it because there's not enough food to go around? He goes, oh, no, there's plenty. Of, I, I could feed everyone if I want to. I just choose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, sorry, that takes away the joy of the feast, especially yeah. when you consider that maybe one of those starving people out there, and they're going to be starving for all eternity. Maybe one's my newborn baby daughter, you know, because uh, he can reprobate anybody he wants. Uh, could be my wife, could be my best friend. You know, loved ones are out there, and I can't feed them. And then it creates this weird thing of how come my heart's bigger than God's heart? You know, I, I, I want to feed everyone as possible. Why, why wouldn't God? Um, so, yeah, I, I never could get into it. I, and I couldn't say God is altogether beautiful. I, I would think he'd be more beautiful if he didn't damn so many people to hell or anyone to hell if he has a choice to save everyone. Um, yeah. So maybe it was predestined that I wasn't a Calvinist. Well, that, that's the hard thing. Like I, I've held Calvinism too, probably more strongly than any other view I've held where I felt like I arrived at it. I thought about it. I looked at it. It's logical. It makes sense. It feels good. And I get to be the elect. Like it really uh, caters to that vibe that you are the elect. It, it really kind of falls apart other than that, because if you zoom out and look at it, it is a view that says essentially that most likely if you exist, you're damned to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. All right. Is, is, All that, right. is that not a true, true thing about Calvinism? If you ever get to be born, you're most likely going to hell, and yeah. nothing how, you can how, ever do can How many that. non-elect ca- yeah. Calvinists are there? <laughs> right. There's not. I mean, Every Calvinist that happens to be do, in the club, yeah. right? That's right. Well, That's actually, right. you know, the, the thing is, is that there actually could be non-elect Calvinists because uh, Calvinism always admitted that, that uh, you can appear to be a believer and for years and years, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet you're not elect, and at some point you'll fall away. Um, and it doesn't matter how sincere you are in your faith, uh, you could be reprobate. Um, Augustine talks about this. He was the Bishop of Hippo, and, and a monk that was under him ran off with a nun when he was like 70 years old. And, and Augustine had to conclude that even though all of his life he served Jesus, 
He, he actually wasn't one of God's elect. And so it, the, it, the selling point of Calvinism is, is supposed to be the security it gives you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that God's holding you in your hand and, and he's choosing you and all that. But actually, I, it, I, I think instead of giving us eternal security, it has to give us at least temporary insecurity because you can't know until right. you die whether you're in fact uh, are, are elect or not. Because you can be deceived about whether or not you're elect even in your own self. Exactly, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And the people that really know that they are the elect, they go, "I'm not deceived, though. Like I know." But you, even if that's true for you, and you know, that doesn't preclude somebody else that hasn't had that real experience from thinking that's the experience that they're having falsely. No, no, so there's no way around right that. that. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't know that some other reprobate didn't have that exact same feeling. Mm-hmm. You know that they were you sure that they that, were sure yeah. that they were sure. Let me tell you guys about Indochino and how good it feels to have a suit that's made to measure, and it fits you just so perfectly. I mean, Indochino does it right. I love the way my suit feels. I love the way it looks. I love how it's customizable. I mean, seriously, like, I mean, for the first time, I've always bought off-the-rack suits for weddings or funerals or whatever event I had to go to, and I always just look frumpy and dumpy and awful not anymore with Indochino because Indochino is making it easy to get a suit made to your exact measurements at a great price. You can choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics and customize all the details, including your lapel, jacket lining, monogram, and more. Indochino has been featured in major publications, including GQ, Forbes, Fast Company, and are now the largest made-to-measure menswear company in the world, I guess. <laughs> Here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. Pick your fabric, choose your customizations, uh, submit your measurements, place your order, and wait for it to arrive in just a few weeks. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $359 at Indochino.com when entering Bad Christian at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for made-to-measure premium suit. What a great Christmas gift folks. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN for any premium suit for just $359 free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. And so what we wind up with Calvinist is either arrogant people a lot of times or uh, or people that are, you know, what's really common in Calvinist is they are a lot of them are really terrified. Like they're trying to make sure that, you know, they in, they carry a lot of insecurity that, of, of what you're just describing and they're f- full of mm-hmm. guilt and they do a million things to prove to themselves that they're Christian and make sure they are and verify that. And it gets into a real OCDC, OCD loop and, there. Yeah. And it has to, for a lot of people anyways, it, it, it has to do something to your brain. Like uh, you have to, in my experience anyways, uh, a lot of folks have to block out a lot of the terrible stuff of the world in order to believe this. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I, yeah, that's I, true. I used to teach a class at Bethel and, and I would, one of the things I would do is I would channel in theologians, you know, pretend to channel in. And so I, I, I would channel in Calvinism for a day and I'd be, I argue Calvinism and then I do John Wesley and, and things like that. Well, there's a gal in my class who was really a smart woman, uh, and, but a diehard Calvinist and she didn't trust that I could argue Calvinism good enough. Uh, so I said, okay, if you'd like to present the class, go ahead. And she did. And she, didn't do she must have woman-splained you then, I guess. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, I think I could have done a better job. But anyways, 
Um, she bucked me every step of the way. That everything that happens, every molecule, everything's controlled by God. About a year and a half later, she comes to me and her faith is destroyed. And the reason her faith got destroyed, and she's looking to me for help now, was because her father, whom she loved and who had a high standing in this church, ran off with a younger gal uh, who was also in the church and uh, divorced her mom. And, and she could not believe that God predestined this to happen, uh, her father to run mm-hmm. off with this younger lady. Now, I, I helped her as best I could and, and walked her through this. But I was thinking at the time, like, how is it that you have managed to bar out of your consciousness the pain of the world to the point where this this event, which doesn't rate nearly as high as the Holocaust, is very low on uh, the suffering department on the whole it, it, scale. It, yeah, right? I, I, on, on the on the misery ometer, it doesn't register that high, uh, and yet this this does away that does your faith in, which tells me that she's just been blocked. She's yeah. not letting the pain of the world get on the inside, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and I, I I find that's true for for a lot of these folks. There's also a, a a disconnect where, you know, in some ways, I think Kelvin is, is sort of a hangman religion. It's like uh, I have to be willing to say that God is all glorious, all beautiful, even though he might have predestined my newborn beautiful baby to go to eternal hell. Uh, but there's no way that I can really believe that. Uh, there's no way I can say God is beautiful, even though he could have predestined my baby to go to hell. But I have to say that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not elect. And so in some ways, I'm saying, go ahead and take my baby. Just don't take me. Mm-hmm. And so it's a hangman religion. You know, uh, as long as it's not me that's getting hung, I'll keep on worshiping you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something just, it, 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 there's, th- that's got to just mess with your, your heart and mind. Yeah. Well, there's the it, other it, part uh, about that that's, that nobody likes either, which is the one, I just don't know why people can't like be secure enough to say there's also a possibility that there is a God that he is deterministic about everything. And, and he's just maybe not really so good as you think he is. Like, yeah, maybe that part's the overbone part. Maybe he's you know not so great, but definitely yeah. in control, well, he, and he makes these decisions, he, and we like him or we don't. But he's not if, that if great. He's control, if he's controlling everything, then you're right. right. He's not all, all glorious. But see, the ticket, the the ticket uh, in is you have to say he's glorious and yeah, all, you have all to, wonderful. Yeah, you don't really have in another fact, choice as as hoop for sitting down from our point of view if you go that way. Yeah, and in fact, the the Puritans used to ask this question when people would be candidating to be ordained. Uh, they'd say, are you willing uh, to be damned for the glory of God? And that was considered like the highest test of a true elect person is that you say, if it would glorify God, I you know w- would choose to be eternally damned. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think questions like that are psychologically sick. I'm sorry. I, I just think it's uh, it, 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 it's got to jade you in some ways. Yeah, that's that's good. And so how did you reconcile that then? Uh, I, I don't know if you use the term annihilationist, but you were talking about God being a beautiful, loving God, but you still do believe in some form of hell, right? What, how, where did, how did you get to that point? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe. I hope it's wrong. But uh, if, if, if people or angels get to the point where um, there's no hope of them ever turning, uh, if they get so solidified in their opposition that that um, now God's love is misery to them, uh, that I, I and I don't like the term annihilationism because it, it makes it sound like God has to annihilate people. Uh, I, I just think God withdraws the gift of existence. He holds everyone in being uh, by His powerful word, Hebrews one three. And so, f- for people to cease to exist, God just has to stop existing them, holding them in existence. And I, I see that as, as sort of divine euthanasia. 
Hmm. Where, because if if God were to continue to sustain them in being, they would be eternally miserable. Deleted from the simulation is a way to say that. You know, like if this whole, you know, in the analogy that this world is a simulation, it's just delete that program that wasn't working or didn't like it or whatever. It's not, you know, nothing. Just delete it or, you know, stop tending to it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's just, but it's also divine uh, euthanasia. I, now, I hope that's wrong because I would love I would love to see everyone, uh, including Satan, saved. Um, and if it, if it was possible for God to hardwire it into uh, creatures that they have a, a finite capacity to be stupid, um, then 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 I, I think God would do that. And eventually, the, everyone will get the point. That's what universalism teaches. Yeah. Eventually, everyone. And you can find some scripture that 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 can be interpreted in ways that support that. Um, but I, I just find the the warning the warnings about a judgment are are far more prevalent than the passages that can be used to support universalism, and uh, and so I feel an obligation to be preaching that warning that there is uh, dire consequences to to you know, intentionally resisting uh, the ways of God. Um, and my worry about universalism is that a lot, the universalists I know, many of them at least, tend to downplay the role of judgment. Uh, that it's kind of like the good news is well, consequences uh, for uh, our, our choices. And even if universalism is true, there's a there's a hell for some people to go through before they get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, we need to be warning people of that. Well, with, so, with, with the idea of Satan, I, I, that's one of the things that has drawn me a little bit towards open theism is the idea that that there was sin in heaven. Like you know, like when, when we think of heaven, where it'll be sin free, uh, and that whole idea. Like with open theism, Greg, would you say something like that? You are you saying that the angels also ha- can choose their destiny? I guess is that, like that's how Satan was actually able to leave heaven. Yeah, I, I, the fact that angels fell, I think, uh, presupposes that you had free will. And by the way, I turned off my camera because uh, your talk was breaking up on me, mm-hmm. so no I problem. wanted to lower the bandwidth. Yeah, no problem. Um, so that's why my camera's up. Uh, it's it's still kind of wobbly here, but um, yeah, the fact that they fell shows that they have a, they had a capacity to fall, which means they must have had free will. Um, and the way Scripture talks about uh, you know the fallen angels, it doesn't seem like there's any hope for them. Uh, but universalists have held that that um, uh, God's still working with them, and at some point, uh, even even Satan will eventually get it. So, how did God wind up in this view to have the amount? Just the He just has a certain amount of power. And, and which view are you talking about? In the open in open theism, what I'm having trouble with at the moment is. God has a certain amount of power to will things into existence and to design them to a degree. Is this the best he could do? Like he he can't uh, control everything and avoid the Holocaust, in your view. But right, he right. could he could get us close. So it feels like a you know, is a he well, has just a, some limited scale of power, and that's just the best he can do. Well, the rest look, is up to uh, us. Uh, well, I, I do think if God's all good, he's always doing the best he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a slacker God. I think he's always working to bring about maximal goodness and minimize evil. Uh, that's what the word "all good" means, or the phrase "all good" means. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's because he lacks power. Um, you know, the, the, if, if God gives 
you uh, free will, it means that you now have this amount of say-so. You can go this way to that extent or that way to that extent. Um, and so God, by definition, can't control that. If, 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 if you've got that power, if, he, if he's given you that say-so, then you have that say-so. In fact, if, 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 if free will is my, my capacity to go this way to this extent or that way to that extent, then God can't revoke it by definition. Um, because if God revoked it, then he clearly didn't give me the capacity to go this way to this extent or that way to that extent. You see, so, so God can't revoke it, but it's not because he lacks the power. He can't revoke it because it's a contradiction to revoke it. Mm -hmm. It'd be like you can't make a round triangle or a married bachelor. So uh, the definition. decision to make free will is the, uh, uh, an intentional decision of self-limitation then? No, it, it doesn't. It's not self-limitation. Um, it, it's because it, you, you wouldn't say that it's a self-limitation for God to not be able to make a round triangle or a married bachelor. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's no, in the same way, it's not a self-limitation for God to create free agents that he can't control and uh, whose free will he can't unilaterally revoke. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, I'm trying to get, there's two analogies I have in my head. One would be, he's right. like a gardener who decided to plant a garden and he was going to do the best he can to keep the petunias alive, but he's not able to control the weather and he's not able to control the soil and he has to do the best he can to remember to water them as best he can. And that is that, that view doesn't quite seem right to me, but do you, but that's not the, you well, don't think it, of it that doesn't, way? well, I, I could, it uh, depends how you apply it. it. It's like, given that God has decided to create uh, to continue with your analogy, in the garden that God planted, he creates free agents. Mm -hmm. And those free agents are able to create weeds if they want to. <laughs> um, and, and so God has to work around the weeds. Uh, mm -hmm. he'll do, he's, he will do the best he can, given the kind of garden he decided to plant. Now, it was a sovereign decision to plant this kind of a garden mm -hmm. as opposed to a different kind of garden. But if he's going to create a kind of world that's capable of love, it's got to be a world that includes freedom. And if, it's, if it includes free will, it has to include risk which means mm -hmm. things might not go the way God wants them. And, and this this is largely the, the best analogy for this is probably just the way that we feel about the creation of our own children and how we interact exactly, with them. Exactly, exactly. You, you bring a child in the world, you are taking a risk. Uh, that child can inflict great pain on themselves, on you and on other people. Uh, but we obviously think the risk is worth it, at least most of us, because we have kids. Mm -hmm. In fact, if, if a person really didn't think, I, I get this question once in a while, people are like, given all the evil of the world, you know, even if it was just possible that this kind of evil could come about, uh, it, it wasn't worth it. God's still to blame because the risk wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And then I always ask him, well, then why haven't you committed suicide yet? Uh, the fact that you go on living suggests that you think it's worth living. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, if, if we think it's worth it, I don't think why we should think that God shouldn't think it's worth it. It's worth it. I, I, and I definitely want to, I don't want to stay here all day because I'd like to talk a little bit about your site, Renew, and also a little bit about your book and Christians and politics and stuff like this. But what, last question on this. So what does the afterlife look like then? Like, do we, we will still have free will? Will we still have an opportunity to rebel against God's, what he intends? Yeah. Okay. Good question. I talk about this a lot in Satan and in, the, in my book, Satan and the Problem of Evil. Um you know, there's an ancient maxim that, that goes like this. It goes back to Heraclitus in the 5th century BC, and it's repeated throughout history in the church tradition. And I think it's, it's self-evidently true that our choices become our habits, and our habits become our character. Mm -hmm. And our character, if we persevere in it long enough, becomes our destiny. Um, we start by making choices, but our choices end up making us. And so we're being formed in a certain way. 
Um, and that's what I think makes our, our, our choices significant. Uh, it, it's, it's that they, each choice moves us in a certain direction. So uh, uh, I, I think the, the, the goal of free will, uh, this is what's sometimes called libertarian free will, the ability to, to you know, form your character by choices, um, that is a provisional freedom that ultimately leads either to the greatest form of freedom or the greatest form of bondage. The greatest form of freedom is the, to be like God, where you now you choose love, but you don't have the possibility of choosing otherwise. Uh, not, you theoretically could, but you have the kind of character that no longer will. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is, is a, the, the greatest form of freedom. Just like you know, a, a new husband who has to really struggle with whether to be faithful to his wife because uh, you know, his wife's putting on weight. There's this other gal who's tempting him at the office. He's got a choice. He's got libertarian free will. But in some ways, he's not as free as he will be in 25 years if he keeps on making that right decision to stay faithful. Well, by the time he's 50, that will be second nature to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, he, and he won't have to undergo that struggle. Uh, and I, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll be formed in the character of Christ where our character will be such that, that uh, we'll never want to fall away. Yeah. There'll be no more struggle. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Now, you wrote Myth of a Christian Nation back in like 2007, 2006, 2007. 2006. Yeah. And is that basically you knew that Donald Trump was going to happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was that like almost like prophecy, like in a way, like just the idea of just our politics and our Christianity wrapped up together? Mm-hmm. I mean, were you like, did you see some of this craziness? I mean, it's felt, it really felt like that when reading well, the book. Yeah, it, it's uh, pertinent almost every election. In fact, it is pertinent every election. Sales always go up all around election time. Um, this time might be more obvious than most, but in 2004, uh, when I, I preached a sermon series that led to this book, and uh, uh, it, you know, it was a hot topic back then. And that was when you know George Bush and Al Gore were were running for president, and the right wing political machine and right wing uh, uh, Christian machine was just working overtime trying to get pastors to steer their flock in the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I, I decided it was a good teaching moment to explain why we are, I don't think it's our job to try to decide uh, what, what what Caesar should do or who Caesar should be or anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, our job is to preach the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the world. And so that's a pretty expedient political tactic, though, that the the Republican Party had done, knowing that you just target the pastors and they'll get their flock and 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 so forth. But it's uh, but it was more just their tactic, and then t- kind of using the Christianity as a a tool, you know, like they were co opted by the Republican Party in, in that regard in a way that they maybe weren't even aware of is is kind of what it seems like to me. And now, we've yeah. got, it, it, you know, or yeah, first of all, does that sound right to you? Is that that is that kind no, of? Oh, oh totally. Yeah. I, I I think in fact, there's a person who wrote this book. I forget the title of it, but did research on it and traced it back to the late '60s when um, some folks who were uh, really invested on uh, furthering a conservative economic policy mm-hmm. uh, were asking the question, how can we get the Christian vote? And they hit upon a couple of hot button issues. They realized that Christians vote uh, mainly on, on, on single issues, moral issues. Mm-hmm. And so if they can somehow loop a conservative economic plan up with abortion and homosexuality, they'll always get the Christian vote, or at least a high percentage of it. And it was very intentional and it worked. It, it didn't work initially. Uh, in fact, in 1973, the, the Baptist Southern Convention uh, said uh, abortion is not an issue that we can weigh in on. It, it, you know, people are going to have different opinions on that, and that's that's fine. But by 1979, they were completely on the right wing platform, 
and this was the hot button issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they've been, you know, like Pavlov's dog. They they've been conditioned to respond to certain phrases and stuff, uh, well designed phrases, in order to get their vote. Uh, and it's worked like how, and this last election, I just I think just showed how deep those buzzers go. That that Christians will vote into office a man who is has bragged about groping women uh, without permission and all the other things that he said on on race and all that. Um, but they'll 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 vote for him because uh, he will put a, a Supreme Court justice in there and we can eventually outlaw abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it's continues to work very well. That you know that's really really uh yeah, I think you're right on with that and it's what we've seen now is to I, I think it's kind of it's basically at the point of cl- self collapse where those two are unlinked because it's just the moral high ground is just seems obviously lost by the right. It, it re- <laughs> I mean it just seems obvious to me and I think well, at this point this you know we're often running in a new in new territory which we kind of loosely describe as post-Christian like the, this isn't the dominant power thing linked up with all the power anymore like it's and uh you know that's kind yeah. of the territory we're in now. So now we have a new future coming. It seems like. Well, but see, but but, but the thing is that uh, the right wing Christian would say uh, we are still taking the moral high ground uh, it, it, because the most important thing are saving unborn babies. Yes. And so we'll have a groper in the White House and all the rest if it will get us that. Yes. Um, and, and I think it's the same thing for you know Roy Moore down there. Even yep. you know, now a guy who appears to be a pedophile, or, or at least groping underage uh, girls, mm-hmm. one girl anyways, and hitting on teenagers. Uh, but uh, with the promise of ending abortion mm-hmm. and passing conservative laws and uh, getting Christians the right not to have to bake cakes for gay people, uh, they, they consider that worth it. Yeah, well, see, but say, I think the Roy Moore thing, for instance, is a new low. It's worse than Trump being elected as far as the morality is concerned. And, and the obvious... So you're right that the people that remain linking those things will certainly that is their mentality that they're they're stopping abortion which is the greater good and that's why blah 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 but the amount of people that hold that view is must be reducing and diminishing because that's some kind of view that you or toby or i may would have had 10 years ago and certainly don't hold anymore and there's no i don't think that view is growing i think that view is shrinking but you're correct that the people that hold that view do have that rationalization but i think that amount of people that kids like okay this is enough I, i can't support the GOP just because I'm Christian anymore. I mean, I've seen but, an explosion yeah. of that. Our whole audience is, Dude, is, is those people. Trump Trump got elected, and mm-hmm. uh, some polls show that 80% of white evangelicals voted for him. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not shrinking very fast if it's shrinking at all. Uh, it, yeah, but I, I, I hope you're right. Yeah, I think it, I do. Oh, I do think I'm right. <laughs> but I think I think that people um, I think there's depending on how you look at it. But there seems to be I'm encouraged by and I'm optimistic about is what I should say. Uh, the increasing of people that are kind of waking up to this and seeing it. I think the absurdity of Trump and Roy Moore are it, the best thing I can say about it is it's a wake up call. And there's a lot of people that are, that are waking up to the, how ridiculous this obviously is. And a lot of it's what you talk about in your book. And, and I in, in a way that, that people would have argued for then, I think they can see more clearly now how, how ridiculous it is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that, see, yeah, they wake up to that. Uh, but I hope what they're waking up to is how we, the, the church shouldn't be in bed with the state in the first place. Um, it doesn't do much good if they now swing to the other extreme mm-hmm. and start doing on on the left what the Christians have always been doing on the right. Um, you know, the the, the left wing political Christians are are basically 
saying, okay, the right wing had the right methodology, but just the wrong programs. Mm, that's and, a depressing saying, thought. I think you're correct. The, the church has just got to be the church. Let's mm-hmm. uh, spend 50 years just focusing on the church actually being the body of Christ that, that, that does what it's called to do. And, and instead of fighting over what Caesar should do, let's just do it. And, uh, and then maybe in 50 years, we'll be in a healthier position where we can talk politics. But right now, I, I just think uh, if the church isn't being the church, then who, who, really, who, who gives a rip what your opinion is about who should be in, in, uh, in government? Mm-hmm. Is the lore is the lore actually like like for example just on the topic or or the I, I hate using the word topic for abortion but just on and speaking about abortion um is, is it really that like I mean why would a church link itself uh with with Roy Moore for example uh and promote him Roy Moore is not going to uh end abortion he he isn't going to do that. That that in fact, I would I would wager that that's probably not even one of the big issues he thinks he's going to really try to push through or anything like that. Is it, it within the pulpit? Are, are pastors or are churches drawn? Do you think it, to really the issue, or is it like a power thing? I mean, what why why would a, a a Baptist church put a sign promoting Roy Moore, or why would somebody blindly go, well, no matter what, I'll choose Trump? Just because, like, they do not represent Christ or Christian value or what Christ values would look like to me. So, is it a power thing? Like, is it like luring? Well, I, I think behind the whole thing is a, a kind of a, a Christendom mentality. By which I mean, uh, the idea is that that Christians, if, if Christians can just run the world, we'll make the world a better place. Right. And and so we need to take over. And so the more Christians we can have in in office, the more we can get our 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 uh, our rights protected and our will done and force morality on, on others and uh, make the world a better place. Uh, and I, I just don't think that what Jesus had in mind was Christians grabbing. In fact, Satan offered him all that power and he said, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but three centuries later, the church was offered the same deal and they said, oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh, God, man, that's this, good. Yeah. All, all this, all this uh, power here. Yeah, now, I think you're right to, about that. We get to run things. I think yeah. there's another level of of what makes it really gross is also to Toby's question there. In addition to that, just the notion that if you're trying to, let's say you're a pastor, let's say you have a flock, let's say you have a church that you want to grow and be uh, galvanized and have all your people together, you find a common enemy and a rallying cry that gets everybody riled up, regardless mm-hmm. of if it's good or expedient or helpful or bad or whatever. It's like at least you know you know that if you announce we're going to oppose abortion, like that's going to feel good to everybody to say, yeah, this is what we're doing. Here we are. My church is going to grow. I'm a bold leader. Like those are just plain power dynamics that, you know, as soon as you start doing, tapping into the fear-based or the aggressive-based power consolidation and growth thing, then that just is how that works. So it, it, it's functional to both the political system and the local church person. The thing that bothers me about that though, is the number one thing I hear a lot of right wingers or Republicans, I don't want the government in my life, keep the government out, but they want the government to To tell other people what to do. Like, so they run to politics instead of, uh, if you really wanted to end abortion, we would just really spend, the church would spend a lot of money and adopt or help single moms or help mothers who are thinking about abortion, whatever you would get, you would give everything to save the life, not, not compromise what your values or what you actually think is right. That That's the thing that makes it feel like a lie. The, the irony is that the folks that are always saying, you know, the less government, the better, I don't want the government in my life. Uh, they're the only ones who are, uh, are trying to get into the bed, get the government in the bedroom. 
and right. say mm-hmm. who, who gets to have sex and uh, who doesn't and uh, who can have an abortion, who can't, or they would say they can't. But uh, yeah, you, you're, you're right about that. It's a, it's a crazy irony. And, and the, yeah, it, it, that that's the problem that I I see coming from, especially outside of the church, is that it really is the most hypocritical thing, and that's that's what's really dangerous about this. You at some point there is no way to avoid hypocrisy when you go, I'll vote for Donald Trump, even though this this and this. Now that doesn't I I don't think that necessarily means you have to vote for the ne- other candidate or anything like that. But but the problem I I see it on both sides. I think a lot of uh, the left pushed people to vote for Donald Trump. I think it was there was a push there of like, uh, you're, you're so awful. You're you are Donald Trump. You are him. You are him. Well, if I am him, well, you know, screw you. I'll, I'll vote for him then, or something like that. And then at the same time, I see it is a weakness within Christianity of just uh, and, and hypocrisy of just well, we'll allow this inside of our church because yeah, we can at least say we checked off these boxes. We are you know uh, getting rid of a uh, we're pro life, we're uh, pro marriage, and we're this. So at least we we got those big ones that we think are big and that's what we'll do yeah well it, it's their, their priority ranking but you know uh, there's no way to vote without compromising right uh, you know i, I agree with that. you had two terribly flawed candidates there uh and that's that and i i you know i i've talked to people who voted for trump and and i i get that i i don't judge that uh i i think they're mistaken but uh i don't think they're worse than folks who voted for hillary right. um it's the lesser of two evils, however you cut it. But all that I think is is actually irrelevant uh, if the church isn't being the church. And so, like, like to take the abortion issue, he, he, I, I forget where I read this, but um, from you know, the, 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 there's some real sh- uh, uh, socially active Christians in the in the 19th century. Uh, they started the temperance movement. They had all these different movements. And and one of the things that started, uh, I, I guess, it was around 1860, was that uh, churches were noticing that. Uh, there was a higher percentage of abortion back then than there are now. Uh, it, it was just going rampant. And the Christians said, we have, we have to do something about this. So they started programs where they came alongside women who had unwanted pregnancy, uh, especially prostitutes. And uh, they would say, we will, you know, we'll walk with you on this. We'll take care of this. Uh, if, if you want to keep the child, we'll help you mother this child. Uh, if you want to give the child up for adoption, well, then we have some wonderful homes that we'll, we'll put them in. And, and they started this thing, and from 1860 to 1910, the abortion rate in America was lowered by half, just by Christians doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, by comparison, since 1973, uh, uh, Christians have been um, uh, you know, going at trying to end abortion through legal means, and by politicians promising that they're going to oh, end yeah. it. Yeah. And they have got zero uh, back for it. And they it, know it, though. They The, the whole thing's a, a, just a damn scam and they know it too but we, scam. It, it is i wanted to i was going to use a harsher word there but i didn't want to use it in front of you but um the <laughs> you're, you're okay with your audience it, but not me no the audience didn't care i'm just, just being respectful to you but the, um we were in dc one time playing we playing a rock band this is 10 or 10 years ago and then rick santorum's office asked us to come by i guess they knew we were a band or a christian band or something like that and they brought us to a building in the capitol somewhere and met with his aides and people like that and they gave us this whole spiel and all these books and stuff they were trying to reduce abortion and they sat us in a room and told us listen politics doesn't change abortion culture does you guys can change 
you guys can reduce abortion by talking about it and doing resources, all these things. And they showed us the charts of how when th- this happened or Roe versus Wade, the ab- abortion rate didn't change, doesn't change. Politics don't change the amount of abortions. And I know I believe that deeply about almost everything government related. It's not in control. Culture is in control. And they right, right, know right. that. But they still just want to get votes and get, you know, be in power, you know, all those things. So that's that's my view on it. And that's and I'm I, I don't know if I said the name before. before I think I may have told that story, but it was it was Rick Santorum and them. And I don't know if they're good or bad or what they're doing. They were tr- legitimately trying to reduce abortion because that's why they were sure. talking to us about it. But they clearly right, right. admitted that politics in the thing that's going to do it. But then why why is it such a central part of their uh, you know speeches when they're they trying to get win. reelected? Ends justify the yeah. means, my friend. That's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's, you know uh, on this topic, and this is going to be controversial uh, for your Christian audience. But um, I, I don't know if you've ever read the book Freakonomics, but mm-hmm. one of the chapters it, it, it just shows how sometimes explanations are so what you didn't expect. And so uh, around 1992. People began to notice that the abortion rate w- was was dropping quickly, and and there was no apparent explanation for it. Um, well, what this guy shows, and he, and, and he makes a really, I think, pretty compelling argument, was that the reason the abortion rate was dropping was because abortion was legal, and so you're having less unwanted children, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 so the, and and the, the, those kids tended to grow up in in, in uh, environments. Where uh, it's more likely that they would get pregnant outside of wedlock and and then have have abortions. So, the, the the legalizing abortion has had, he said, the actual effect of of reducing abortions. Mm-hmm. It's so, a reasonable and logical argument, but that's not as much. Where if you just look at Jesus too, he would say you would you would think that the interacting with much more, much more heavy interaction with prostitutes, as you brought up earlier. Sounds like right up Jesus's alley. Those just start interacting with prostitutes way more. But yeah. the Christian mentality is avoid and demonize people that do bad stuff like that. Just right, t- right, stay right, away right. from them. Make sure everybody knows they're bad. Don't ride down the roads that they're on. I mean, that that's more of our attitude. Which is exactly the Pharisees' attitude. Right. And Jesus contrasted strongly with the Pharisees. Yeah, I, see, I, I, it's all about love. If we... The way we're supposed to transform the world is through our love, and um, uh, you know Jesus is, is amazing. He's he's the one sinless person in history, but he had he had the uncanny ability to attract prostitutes and tax collectors. He went to parties with them, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, if, if we put on the, and I think part of the reason why he could do that was because he wasn't trying to pass laws that would enable him not to have to bake cakes for prostitutes and mm-hmm. gay people or whatever. Yeah, uh, who wants to hang out with somebody who doesn't want to bake a cake for you? Uh, but it, we're, we're we're supposed to be the body of Christ and be doing exactly what Jesus did, and I think the the, the indication that we're doing that will be that we start attracting people mm-hmm. uh, who are the worst of sinners. That's right, uh, and and we, we're not judging them; we're just loving them and glad that they're part of our part of our fellowship. So Jesus clearly disagrees with the modern interpretation of avoid every appearance of evil, for instance. But given that one, well, the, 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 there's a context where that I'd say that, that holds true. Um, uh, but uh, it, whatever that means, it doesn't mean make sure that that everybody thinks you have a stellar reputation. And you don't go to parties uh, with prostitutes. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, because he clearly did. Right. Yeah, he, he's, and he had a bad reputation among the righteous folks. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this guy. He's a womanizer, glutton, you know, and, and yeah, they accused him of that. How could he po- possibly call himself a rabbi? How dare him? Mm-hmm. Well, so Greg, Greg th- you started you started renew.org. That's where we can we can find you at now. Is that is that 
You can find me at renew.org. Right. And that's R E N E W R E K. I'm sorry. R E K. I, I, lo- I was looking right at it and still misspelled it. Um, it's just like rethink everything you thought you yeah. knew. We're trying to challenge pe- the way people think. That's the good work to do. That's the. That's also yeah. the interesting work to do, but it's important work, and we appreciate you doing it and the thought. Yeah. And Greg, uh, I got yeah, I got one last this. question for you since we got you on here, and this is the very last question. And since you know more about annihilationism than us, and Joey, who wasn't here today, he's kind of our resident. He's our pastor in residency here on Bad Christian, but uh, and I've asked him before, what's your over under with annihilation on when God annihilates you? Over under one second. <laughs> Like, well, will he try to, well, he kind of like, ah, uh, you did screw up pretty bad. Like, will he give you a few extra seconds of torment or <laughs> like you, over under one second? What do you think? Well, you see, okay, uh, that presupposes that God's imposing some kind of a sentence. And I don't think uh, uh, God, uh, judgments are imposed. I think, the, and I argue this a lot in my most recent book, Crucifixion of the Warrior God. It's uh, in the popular version of that. It's called Cross Vision. And, um, there I show that the the punishment for sin is built into sin itself. Sin is inherently self-destructive. And when God judges, all he does, it's what he does on the cross, uh, he doesn't have to inflict anything. He, God didn't lift a finger against Jesus. He just uh, he just delivered him over. Uh, as Jesus stood in our place as a sinner, God delivers him over to wicked uh, humans operating under wicked powers, and all the violence is inflicted by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and throughout the Bible, you see that God just withdraws. He he. He, he stays in the game trying to protect you from the consequences of your sin uh, in a merciful way as long as that has any hope of working. But if it gets to the point where it sees that he's just enabling you, like you would enable an alcoholic, um, then he's got no choice but to, with love, withdraw and then let you uh, go down the path you're going, like he does in Romans 1. God gave them over to a reprobate mind, he, he, which presupposes that up to that point he'd been trying to keep them from going there, but now he's got to let you go. And so I think... Um, that the final judgment is just the ultimate act of God letting go. Uh, and and uh, whatever, whatever people experience, it will be something they brought on themselves. And I'm sure that the more evil it is, the worse the experience it is. But it's not about God you're trying to linger to make it last longer. I, I think it's all just, it's, it's built into the, the hard wiring of creation. Great. Well, Greg, thank you for joining us today. We enjoyed talking to you. Hey, uh, what is the name of your band? Oh, our band's Emery. called Emery, E-M-E-R-Y. We've been doing that for a long time and hanging out and talking and debating and green rooms and tour buses for a decade and then just figured, why don't we do it on Skype and let people hear it. Do you guys have some LPs out? We got some LPs out. The originals. Yep. Oh, all right, good. I'll, I'll look it up. All right, you thanks, guys. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on. Keep on being bad Christians. Appreciate right, thanks, it. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Okay, Greg Boyd. Been meaning to talk to him for a long right. time, and sorry that Joey didn't get to be a part of that. And I felt bad for Joey. Mm-hmm. Okay, Reva. My mind isn't clear. What is the stuff I'm supposed to be talking about and saying? What is all the developments? We haven't talked about the conference and the concerts and the Emory shows and all that, so help us with that. Well, the conference is all sold out. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Conference sold Damn way it. out in about three or four days as soon as we put it up. So less than two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So That's I'm a crazy. little. I don't know if I, if I feel good or bad about that. I mean, I feel good about it, obviously. But there's I a keep sense of people like, wanting to come and yeah. extra people. But I, I mean, there's so many people that have written me personally. Can I get in? Is there any way? I, and I'm just like, I don't. I don't. I mean, there's literally literally only so many spots. There's only so much time and so many spots. There is a wait list. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I know, but that, so that sounds sad. I'm not sure that I we'll get. That. I don't want to be on that list. No, I don't want to be on <laughs> well, either. But I do want people to sign up for it for a couple of reasons. One is I, I don't know that we're gonna find another venue, but we actually are talking to other venues. But it's it's late notice on that, so I'm not super optimistic that we would change the capacity to of the event. Um, but it'll give us a. It, but we are going to. We do have tickets on sale for the concert Saturday night, and I think we're gonna put extra tickets available to come to the party on Sunday night. So both of those things are just start, you know, like the conference will be done about five o'clock each day. And then from five o'clock on, we have a party and a concert. And even Friday night, there's a free event. Um, We're going to do a comedy event. So all the evenings and Sunday morning uh, are open for people to hang out and do stuff. And we're probably going to sell more tickets to the Christmas party, not Christmas party, the winter ball, semi-formal winter ball that we're going to do together on Sunday night. So get on the wait list so you can get the yep. uh, materials for that. And it gives us a good gauge of how many people did want to come, how big of this conference could have been. Like, you know, that's true. It could have been massive, yeah. I guess. I don't know. We still don't know because a lot of people haven't even heard about it yet. So I kind of am interested to get a massive wait list just so we know how big to do it in the future. So, and we'll send you some info if you're on the wait list and we'll get you the ability to get those tickets if you want to come join the Christmas. Dadgummit, why I keep saying Christmas party. Winter ball on the su- Sunday night event. But uh, what's the other thing? The ticket. Let's talk about the concert itself and the Emory Tour. What's What do we got there? For the show on Saturday? Yeah. What's the details well, on that at the moment? There were 150 extra tickets for the show, but those sold out with less than a day. L- like in a so, few hours. Okay. Damn. Yep. So we're it's like switching. we're the biggest band in the whole world. <laughs> biggest thing. I mean, it just, I mean, just so I'm, much love. I'm humbled. I needed this. <laughs> I know. So we're switching venues to let some more people come to that. There so we that's go. That's the good news. So we will nice. continue to open up tickets to the concert. Yeah. So this concert is going to be fun. We we already got the next venue up, and we're trying. We're thinking it could go to the next venue up after that. So that would be a super good event. Now, we've got Derek Minor, King's Kaleidoscope, As Cities Burn, and Emory on a bill. So that should be a huge Lord, and amazing show. show. And we haven't even really gotten the word out of it out, the word out about it yet. So if that keeps going up, we do have an, a, a bigger venue option there. So let's uh, let's let's buy those. And then you get to come hobnob. We'll be there. We'll hang out. We'll see you the, that night or the whatever. And then all the other people from the conference. So consider doing that. But, uh, you know, good stuff. Those are, those are really good news. And then Emory is going on tour with As Cities Burn from that. We're going to Atlanta. Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, and Miami. Uh, and so we'll be in all of those places with But not City in that Burn. order. But not in that <laughs> order. But you can find that. That's at emrymusic.com for those. Yep. Yep. So those tickets are on sale and going fast too. And that's those venues are too. all really small. So we've not done a ton. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's like stuff is selling out in advance. That's that's a good thing. The rooms are small, but it's still a good feeling. But I'm always torn with like, well, we could have had a few more people if we got a bigger venue. But it sure is nice to, to uh, you know, I, I can only say it's pretty exciting to have good stuff going so that stuff sells out. But it always gives me, I feel bad for people that don't make it. I just don't know. And I didn't, I didn't think at 41 I'd be it, you know. selling out places all over America. Yeah, <laughs> and having a problem with selling yeah. out. Yeah, forty one years old. Me anguish, yeah, because we're sold out. Sick and shit, vomiting and <laughs> diarrheaing everywhere, and having a problem with selling out yeah. venues all across America. It's just insane. Yeah, it. it I got to say thank you to everybody, and that starts, of course, with the BC Club. So thank you for everybody Ooh. in the BC Club, um, which has been fun. With the th- with the last event, I do think there was a slight effect that, that was a little bit of 
unity for the club. The club likes to fight. And what I know notice you is everybody likes to fight and define themselves as like, I'm right in the middle, but these people are that. And, you know, everybody finds extremes to the left and right of them on any issue, any topic, any situation, in a high school, in a, you know, whatever it is, in a, in a small family system even. But uh, this last thing has been interesting for us because uh, reference the last episode that is because you know I think we're, the club has got a lot of dialogue going now of kind of like self analysis and looking at it and thinking of itself and I think it's pretty healthy pretty good so I thank the BC club for being such a good uh, zone for me to think and observe people uh, it's good data for me I, I like watching and observing and. And interacting, and if you'd like to be in the BC Club, you help us do things like we bought all these flights, we booked these venues, we've written a bunch of checks, and this is all because the BC Club supports us and what we do, and is really the foundation and backbone of the podcast. So if you've been listening a long time, I would ask you to consider joining the BC Club. You can go to thebcclub.com and uh, join our community. It's uh, it's it's good stuff. I, do we have any names to read off? I don't have them in front of me. If we do, we do. You, you want read me them. To do them? Yeah, you do them. Nice, okay. Reva. <laughs> Shanna Ammerman. Ariana Malhoff, Regina High, <laughs> Taylor McCoskey, Alicia Sell, Matthew. Can you hold your nose and Mo. read the rest of these, please? Just hold now. your nose. Just hold now, your nose I'm and read gonna, the rest I'm of them. I'm not going to hold my nose. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to have to impersonate Reba. Okay. Go. Go ahead. David Taylor. David Taylor. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one just says clever name here. This one here. just says clever name here. <laughs> Ben Derek Clemens. Derek Clemens. <laughs> and, and I, I think I could, let's uh, do this last one. Um, Melody Michelle. Melody Michelle. Oh it's a beautiful gosh. name. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got me pinned, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you are either predator or prey. That is your, that is your decision. <laughs> I gave you the choice to make fun of Joey, and you chose no, so you became the prey. Yeah, you were the yeah. became the prey. Yeah, you're right. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't fuck around on this podcast. Where you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all soon. See ya. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. JabberjawMedia.com.